The Tech Qualified Podcast is dedicated to providing B2B technology marketers with access to real-world case studies and best practices. We interview industry leaders to uncover what's working in the world of B2B technology marketing. If you're wondering how you can position your technology company as the choice in the marketplace, then follow along as we go on this journey together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Qualified. I'm Justin Brown and this episode of Tech Qualified is brought to you by Motion, a marketing agency that focuses on the strategy and development of thought leadership programs for B2B tech companies. Today, our guest is Mary Ford, the CMO at Centegix. Mary, thanks for joining me today. Justin, thanks for the invitation. It's great to spend some time with you this afternoon. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me on the show. And to give our audience a little bit of background as we get started, do you mind telling me a little bit about your past experience and then what you're up to now at Centegix? Absolutely. So my background, my goodness, I was having a conversation with a couple of college students that I'm mentoring, and they were asking me, how did you prepare for a career in marketing? And I thought, I didn't actually prepare for career marketing. I kind of found my way into marketing. I'm one of those people who's had a very cross-functional career, and it's something that I'm thankful for. So I may be a little bit different than others that you interview who've had 20 plus years in B2B marketing. I actually started my career as a software engineer, and I did that in the telecommunications space. And I parlayed my skills and talents into roles that were product development. And when I was in product development, that gave me really my first exposure to working with people who were in marketing and and more business-related functions. And from there, from being in product development, as I moved across different companies, I was able to actually get into a position where I was leading marketing. And then there was one company, CBeyond, I was with for a number of years that I really brought in my cross-functional exposure and had the opportunity to lead our learning and development function. And I spent a lot of time in sales operations, everything from recruiting sales all the way through to compensation and analytics. And I'm sure we're going to get to this question at some point in this podcast, but I certainly have some strong opinions about the relationship between marketing and sales. Prior to my role at Centegix, I was the chief operating officer for another startup here in Atlanta. And I'd say that startup is really my sweet spot. I've worked at four startups now. And while I've also worked at some big companies, I really prefer the startup environment because I like to move fast and get things done. And that is certainly a skill that is appreciated in the startup world. So had a very cross-functional career, and I've really appreciated that exposure to different experiences. Here at Centegix, I am responsible for all general brand, demand generation, sales enablement, and our internal and external communications, as well as just being a general member of our executive team. Centegix is an IoT solution, Internet of Things company, and our mission is to innovate technology to save and enrich lives. We have a very unique solution. It's called Crisis Alert, and it enables anyone who is equipped with one of our badges to push the button on that badge and get the help that they need. Our customers are typically K-12 education, so think about big school districts, and they use our solution, typically equip teachers with these badges, and 
Teachers experience incidents that range from the everyday to the extreme, and they need to be able to get help quickly. So with our solution, they're able to push that button and help come to them. Interesting. And in terms of your actual ideal customer profile, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Who is it that you actually work with? Absolutely. So I mentioned one of our verticals, education. And one of the things that I value about that particular vertical is that you can actually understand who are all the school districts in the country. And so we tend to work directly at the superintendent level. And for the larger school districts, they will have somebody who is chief of security, director of security type person. And so it's usually the combination of those two people that are our main buyer. But more directly to your question about our ideal customer in the education space, it's K through 12. But we also have branched out into hospitality. And so the owner operators of hotel properties are also a target for us because the hospitality industry has started to put in place state and local mandates requiring hotel operators to equip their staff with a solution like ours so that they can be safer. It's something that you don't really think about on a daily basis, even for those of us that used to travel a lot. But being a housekeeper can be a fairly dangerous position, fairly dangerous job. And a device like ours helps them to feel safer and enables them to quickly call for help, either to their management, all the way directly to local authorities to get help. We are also able to sell into healthcare and retail general business, but it's really been the education and hospitality verticals that have been primary for us. And to peel back the onion a little bit, I'm sure it's been a crazy experience where schools especially, security measures probably went way up, and I'm sure you saw huge demand, and then schools shut down. So what's it been like? I mean, I just have to imagine that with current events, you all are just riding some sort of crazy roller coaster. It has been interesting. Certainly there was a closing and the mad dash to remote learning that happened a few months ago. And that experience, I'll tell you for me personally, being here at Centegix has really helped me to deepen an appreciation for the value that public school districts especially play in our community, the value they bring to society and just how hard they work. So these districts, they completely flipped their operating models literally in the course of days and weeks to go from students are coming to school every day to students are at home. Do they have devices and internet access? How are we feeding them? It has been an absolutely amazing experience to watch how nimble they have been and how they have had to adjust their operating models to care and educate students. In terms of our business, we did see that people were a little bit distracted. It has given us the opportunity to shore up some of our internal processes and we've definitely flipped our sales approach, right? We are no longer going out into the field and visiting people. Lots and lots of webinars, which we quickly got good at. The thing that we're also seeing now is that very quickly people are shifting to what school has got to open and here's how we're going to be prepared for it. And even just yesterday, we had a team on site at one of the top 10 largest school districts in the nation and they are 
working on their security plans. And in many ways, being prepared to keep students safe is even more top of mind. And you kind of alluded to the demand for our solution. And in the beginning, there was certainly that heightened awareness around active shooters and some of those more extreme circumstances that schools encounter. But what we're finding is that the value of our solution is more about the everyday. Every single day in a school, something happens. There's an altercation or there's a medical incident or a teacher just needs help. And as people shift to being back in the classroom later this summer, beginning of the fall, what we're hearing from educators is that they're actually expecting to see an increase in occurrence of these daily incidents of students either acting up or just needing more help because they've been in these unstructured environments now for a few months And those additional pressures of being at home from maybe a parent has lost a job to online learning has not gone that to I just I haven't had that structure where I was on the phone with a superintendent even just this morning. Yeah, it's just going to be different. Students are going to need more help and teachers are going to be dealing with more because of these few months of just unstructured time. Yeah, I can't even imagine just lives of kids being Turned one way, turned another way. It's so interesting. And it is interesting, too, to hear that it's not just... Because that's where my mind goes when I hear security in schools is obviously, for better or for worse, active shooter type situations, people want security. Did that have an impact on your business? I have to imagine it. At some level, the PTAs of different school districts are saying they wanted additional security measures. Did that impact your business? It's not just the PTAs. It's actually state legislation that is requiring improvements to safety and security. So there are some states such as Florida and New Jersey that have passed what's known as Alyssa's Law that require enhancements to the communication processes around these events. And our solution, of course, is part of that is a great fit there. The state of Texas also has their State Bill 11 that's also focused on security. And Georgia, where we are a couple years ago, also put something in place. So both from the education side of things, as well as the hospitality side, yes, there is some legislation that is driving demand for our offering. And that helps our business. But really, and that this is my job as a marketer is to help people understand that the day to day and the value that the solution brings to those who feel safer and feel more protected because they're empowered to get help when they need it. That's the real value of what we're doing and being able to tell that story. It's really interesting to me also when people just happen to find us because they're searching for a solution like ours starting to see some interest from places like long-term care facilities, nursing homes, because it also has application in those environments. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question is what are you doing to get people interested? Let's start with a little bit about the customer journey. Is it an SDR, BDR team that's doing outreach? Is it more organic and people are hearing through you via word of mouth? How are you getting people to notice Centegics? So let me caveat all this by saying I've been here seven months. And so we are very much in a found place of building out our go-to-market strategy. And we have on the education side, a a partner-led model. So school districts already have technology partners that they work with and rely on to help them understand the latest technologies that are out there and to glue those together. So part of our strategy is to work with partners who are already embedded and have those relationships with districts. 
The relationship with the district is important. Also, what comes into that too is the buying process that each district goes through. We do have some direct salespeople that are focused on the larger districts, and those are places where, because of their previous sales experience in education technology, they had some established relationships. So those two things have helped really give us a foundation. And on the marketing side, we have been building up our gen competencies. We are not yet at the place where we have an SDR, but we are getting close to that. And then continuing on the customer journey. So it's interesting. So you said you have a partner model and then you have your direct for some of those larger districts. Can you talk a little bit about the sales cycle itself? What goes into the rest of the customer journey from that initial point of interest actually to customer conversion and adoption? Yeah, certainly. The timing of our sales cycle is very greatly. We've got some people that we have engaged with and have been building relationship and it might take several months to a year to get to a place where we've worked through their buying process and have gotten to a contract. But if I were to sort of walk through everything, right, there's certainly usually starts with a partner interaction. So the partner will bring us in and introduce us to their head of security, their head of technology, maybe their superintendent. And we'll go through a series of meetings to do a demonstration and typically a referral process and then get to a point where we have given them a contract. And because it is a government entity, right, there's very strong policies and procedures in place that are needed to be executed to get to the point where the school district will provide back to us a PO. And then we will come in and do the installation. We do have an equipment install, although it is a very light install. We can typically get that done Um, in a school, say within one evening. We have a customer success team that will help the customer get onboarded and we'll do some training, teacher training, as well as administrator training. And then they're ready to go. So really within about six weeks to 12 weeks, we can get a school district up and running depending upon how many locations they have. Very nice. And I'm curious as well, and you alluded to it at the beginning of our conversation, how do sales and marketing work together? I'm sure very brother-sister type relationship that there can be there. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you work with sales and your organization? Yeah, absolutely. So for me in that cross-functional background that I've had, I've spent so much time working with sales and being part of the sales organization that it's very important to me now that I'm in the marketing side, back in the marketing side, to have a very strong relationship with our sales team members. And I feel fortunate right now that for the size company that we are, we very much come at this with, hey, we are all one team approach. And I have described myself to people as I'm the sales oriented marketer. My perspective is that if we're not doing something that is helping a sales team be successful, then we really need to look at what we're doing. I would say that given the feedback that I've gotten, it's gone very well so far here. They definitely appreciate us as a marketing organization and we've got a strong partnership. I do understand that it's not that way everywhere. And one of the things that I have been involved with here in the Atlanta community is our Technology Association of Georgia. And it's interesting, I've served on the board of the societies for both the marketing society and currently now on the sales leadership society. I'm very familiar that this is a struggle that is in some organizations, and I am just bound and determined that is not going to be something that we need to talk about here at Centegix. We need to be one team and working together. 
and have a strong partnership. And I would say that so far since I've been here, we are there. Gotcha. And another thing that you had mentioned earlier was running webinars. And I'm curious, I know you call yourself the sales-oriented marketer, but on a much more marketing-focused front, what are you doing for content and trying to establish Centegics as a thought leader in the space? Well, again, go back to my comment. I've been here about six or seven months. And so we have definitely been building those competencies. When I came in, we were very much a meet in person, show up at conferences and events kind of organization. And clearly that was something that we had to shift and pivot to very fast to get into that webinar digital mode. And it really wasn't until say mid-April that as a company, we had even done our first webinar. So the speed with which we turned that around, I thought was strong. So we have a regular webinar series that we have, and we drive attendance to those webinars back to the partner-led model. We have partners that will send people to our webinars, and then we also do some outbound emailing to drive that demand as well as some social posting and some small partnerships with state superintendent or school administrator type associations. On the thought leadership side, we have really just in about the past six weeks or so started getting some byline articles out there, and it is on our roadmap to start doing a blog later this summer. We have been going through the process of completely revamping our website, and once that is done, we'll be in a much better position to produce and showcase our thought leadership. But just in the past week, we've had a couple things published, so I've been excited about that. Yeah, and I know in seven months, you're probably getting a lot of new initiatives off the ground. So a website, webinars, a blog, I'm sure it's quite a few things to juggle. It is, but it's been fun. Like I mentioned before, I really like the startup arena. I like to build things and it's fun to see how our marketing function has evolved over the past six months. Yeah, for sure. And that leads into my next question, which is you're at an interesting time. You're just over six months in. What did marketing look like when you got there and how has it changed? Yeah, so great question. We had some basic things in place. There there was a website. There was a little bit of collateral. I would say that previously the relationship with sales was a little bit challenged. And so my initial goals were to build that great relationship with sales. And then I told everybody, we just need to build some basic marketing competencies and fundamentals. And so I built a bench, I would say, some contract resources that are experts that have helped us do some basic things, build a social program. We weren't doing anything on social until I put that in place, started to produce some white papers, get that thought leadership out there. We had not been doing a lot of outbound emailing. So we're doing that now. We've expanded our breadth of associations that we sponsor, which also, of course, helps get the word out. We're now holding regular conversations with sales about our plans and how we're measuring ourselves. would say we're better now at measurement and understanding the impact and the value of the activities that we have going on. So there's been a lot that's changed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure when you step into that new situation, it's like spend a month or a quarter trying to get the lay of the land and then the next probably three quarters is implementing your strategy. I'd say the other thing, and we haven't spent too much time on this yet, but sales enablement is also part of my responsibility. And so I brought in someone 
to help us better manage our salesforce.com instance. We didn't technically have an admin available to us. And this resource has helped us really evolve how we use that tool to bring efficiencies to the sales process. The other thing that I have invested in is our internal communications. There was some attention that was needed to that. And I now have a number of programs in place to help us better communicate with our employees and create and drive more engagement there. And being seven months into your new role and you've had quite a few runs at uh, different startups, what advice would you give to someone who is just stepping into their new role as a CMO at an organization? Sure. So one of the things that I advise people when they're stepping into a new role, whether it's CMO or not, is to leverage that there's a great book out there by, of course, now I can't remember the person's name, but it's called The First 90 Days. And it is an excellent tool for any leadership transition, whether it's marketing or not. And it's a great approach to come in, do that classic, let me survey the scene, understand, just listen, craft the plan and come back with, hey, here's what my approach is going to be. So I would always recommend remembering that it's a leadership transition as much as anything else. And those first really 90 minutes all the way up to 90 days are very valuable in terms of being able to brand yourself as a leader. Inside of that, I would say that relationship with sales is really important. And for that relationship to function best is that the CMO and the head of sales needs to be viewed by the rest of the company as a strong partnership and working in tandem. It doesn't do anybody any good if people feel like those two leadership positions are not working in sync with each other. The third thing I'd say about that is that, and of course I deal with this every day, is marketing is one of those places in a company that everybody has an opinion about what's good and what's not and new ideas. And I've been doing this long enough to know that marketing is the place that you get, you get a lot of feedback. You have to re- remember that people can tell you that things are good as well as they can tell you that they didn't like something and that not everything can be done. So it's really about prioritization and understanding Back to my, I'm a sales-oriented marketer. How is this thing that we're going to do going to help bring revenue into the company? Because in the end, that's really what we're here for, is to help support the revenue engine. Yeah, for sure. I think the book is Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I think in there, they talk about the leadership team. And it's great to have your team, whether it's your marketing team or your sales team or your tech team or whomever, if you're the leader of a department, it's important that is your team. But those members of that team, as said in the book, is that they should view the executive team as really the folks who are rowing all in the same direction. If you need to get in a room and have it out with the head of sales, you go do your thing. But to the outside eyes and all the people who report up, they should see those two individuals as being on the same side of the table because like you mentioned, everybody's really driving in the same direction, which is to try to increase revenue. I just uh, remember the name of the author, Michael Watkins wrote the book, The First 90 Days. And I do appreciate the five dysfunctions of a team. That's a great one as well. Really everything by Pat is great. (laughs) And then the tone of getting in a meeting and I guess having it out with the head of sales, although it sounds like you don't have that issue, which is great. Nothing is perfect. So on a daily, weekly, 
monthly basis. What are you finding to be your biggest challenge and how are you overcoming it? It's funny that you say that nothing is perfect because one of the phrases I've been using a lot is that perfect is the enemy of good. And I have to remind people, okay, for where we are right now, this is what we can accomplish, right? For the size team we are, for the amount of money that we're spending on marketing, right? This is where we are. And I think that might be my biggest challenge, right? There's people have so many great ideas about the things that we can do and they are great ideas, but for where we are right now, this is what we can accomplish. And these are the results that we're driving. So just having to keep things in perspective and balance out, this is good enough. We can go on and we can do other things or we can sit and make this one thing perfect. And I'm more a fan of let's go get more things done as opposed to trying to perfect one thing. That's great. And as we come up on our time here, I do have a couple of closing questions for you. We already started down this path of talking about books and different things that we consume from a content perspective. But what are some of your favorite resources from a B2B marketing content consumption standpoint? What do you go out and listen to, read, etc. to make sure that you're up to speed on everything B2B tech marketing? I will share with you that my focus over the past six months has been to immerse myself in the new verticals that I have been supporting. So it's not so much about the B2B marketing. I've been focused on learning how education technology works. And there are a number of general like resources and organizations that support that from Campus Safety to Chalkbeat and others. When I think about the other reading that I do to educate myself as a leader and an executive and a marketer, I tend to focus more on leadership materials, things like Radical Candor is a favorite one that we've been talking about here lately. And I'm now past my first 90 days, so I can't continue to rely on that one. But I tend to focus more on leadership materials and focus on my vertical because for me right now, that's where my learning curve is. There are some other thought leaders around that I pay attention to. SBI is another great resource. Yeah, I recently read Radical Candor. Very good book. Just, it's funny, some of the more, I don't want to oversimplify it, but speaking your mind, telling people how you think can really go a long way versus burying it down and hoping that things change. Uh, It's a really good one. We will update the show notes. Just the last question for you here, Mary, where can people go to find you and to find Centegics? Oh, absolutely. So Centegics can be found at centegics.com, C-E-N-T-E-G-I-X. And I'm on LinkedIn under Mary Ford. I'm very easy to find and happy to connect. Awesome. Mary, thanks for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you on Tech Qualified. Thanks, Jess. I enjoyed the conversation. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech Qualified. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customer profile, while also positioning your tech as a choice in the marketplace, then Access Motion's ultimate thought leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access.